mind. But it would be great for you to tell us what your prayer needs are, and then we could share that with the group and, and pray for you. Um, or if you are in need of prayer after the service, I'd be glad to pray with you. Um, and maybe we should start a prayer team that's available to pray with people after church. But let's pray now. Jesus, I thank you so much that you've given us the breath of life today, that you've given us the opportunity to choose to come here or to watch online to worship you, that you have given us the opportunity to read your word and to apply what it says to our lives so that we might be saved and that we might be effective and even encouragers. Lord, I pray that you would help those people that we know that are connected to this church, that are uh, serving in different branches of the armed forces, servicemen um, that are listed in the bulletin, those people who are serving to protect our country. We pray that they would be encouraged and that they would be kept safe and that they would keep the main thing, the main thing, um, honoring God and protecting freedom. Lord, I pray that you would help those people that aren't able to come to church because they either have to work or they're sick or they're homebound and they just can't get out. Lord, we pray that you would help them. You'd help them to feel connected. We pray that those that we send the, the bulletins to each week and the information that they would um, be able to watch somehow and be able to get visits from some of us, that we would be encouragers. Lord, I pray that you would heal those who are sick and struggling with um, cancer, health problems, COVID, um, all of those things, Lord, we pray for their healing and that they would know that you reached down from heaven and care for them and touch them and healed them. Lord, we pray for our sister church in Ukraine. Lord, we pray for those who are grieving the loss of loved ones and those who are um, aware that someone they care about is about to go into your presence. So Lord, we pray for them. Lord, we pray for uh, this church that you would help us to grow deeper in you, that you would help us to grow more effective in the programs that we offer and the, what the volunteers are willing to do. Lord, we pray that by the time fall rolls around, that we would be ready to do a midweek kids program with lots of volunteers and a great youth group. And Lord, we will be well equipped with nursery workers and uh, uh, children's church workers and Sunday school workers and uh, programs for people of all ages, Lord, we pray that it would be a new season and a new time of great effectiveness for this church. And Lord, we pray for Kenny and Linda Danielson in War Road in the Northwest Angle as missionaries. Lord, we pray the corn feed would be effective. We pray that the Bibles that we offer, I don't think we're sticking them in the backpacks, but the students will have an opportunity to take one and put it in their backpack. Lord, that those Bibles would be seeds that bring life transformation, a harvest of righteousness. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would speak through me now. I am nothing without you. Lord, I pray that I would be able to use this time to encourage these people and that we would leave here uh, wanting to do more to encourage others. And we ask us all in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to watch a video. It begins with openness the willingness to come alongside someone else, to pour out, care, invest. It's about sharing the journey, doing life together, growing, forging, becoming. It's about selflessness, caring enough to walk through the valley, even when it's painful to love people as Christ has loved us.
It's rejoicing when they rejoice, hurting when they hurt, being a hand, an encourager, a friend. We were not created to wander alone. For as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And we need to do what we can to find godly friends. You know, I've read just recently that everybody expects the church to be friendly when they come. They just expect the church to be friendly, and they're not coming back to church just because the church was friendly. But if they come to church and they make a friend, they have a friend at church, they'll come back if they have that friend. Would you be that friend? Would you be an encouraging friend? Um, here we have a picture for the sermon title of a group of people uh, rock climbing, uh, holding a rope while they pull someone else up. And sometimes we need to be that kind of friend that pulls someone up. We need to be that kind of friend that remembers who we were before we came to Christ and what Christ has done in our life and, and how we've changed. Chuck Swindoll says, encouragement is awesome. It can actually change the course of another person's day, week, or life. I'm not sure who wrote this quote, but every obstacle you have ever had to overcome, every limitation you have conquered, every fear you have dealt with, every pain and failure and rejection you have triumphed over, have all equipped you to help you live and encourage others. If not, they are just pointless experiences. And some of us have had experiences that aren't, you know, it was sin. And we had that experience. And we can warn people about why you don't want to go down that path and how painful it is. And sometimes we go through hard things and it's a result of somebody else. And, you know, you can encourage people on how you got through it or um, encourage people how you got better, how you got into the job position that you have, that you love because uh, somebody said they saw something in you and encouraged you to go to school and get some kind of training or encouraged you and gave you a job and taught you some skills. There are so many ways to encourage one another. The old Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon said, I would go to the deeps a hundred times to cheer a downcast spirit. It is good for me to have been afflicted that I might know how to speak a word in season to one that is weary. And there are people all around us that are weary, that are disheartened, that um, have heard the gospel from someone else, but they don't understand it. They don't see it as an act of grace. They see it as this impossible act of works. And you and I can hold out a lifeline to them and encourage them. Paul Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, said, Christians are like the several flowers in the garden that have each of them the dew of heaven, which being shaken with the wind, they let fall at each other's roots, whereby they are jointly nourished and become nourishers of each other. And we encourage each other. We build each other up. We sometimes water the dry, weary people. Um, sometimes uh, our encouragement is just what God uses to help somebody get through the hard time that they're going through. And sometimes our encouragement isn't even the words that we say. It's just the fact that we were there and we listened. And maybe we sat there and didn't even say a whole lot. And 
Have you ever had that happen before, where you're with somebody, and so you're expecting to say something encouraging, and they just keep talking? You're just sitting there listening, and they're just talking and talking and talking, and then when they're done, they're like, thank you so much. You helped me so much. You were such an encouragement to me, and you're like, I didn't really say anything, but just being there. And sometimes the Holy Spirit uses that to... um, help people to process their thoughts or their anger or their hurt or their disappointment or whatever. Um, Life is a roller coaster. It really is. And some days uh, is more encouraging than others. Uh, Sometimes we're disappointed because of the bad choices we made. And sometimes we're disappointed because we thought we made really good choices. And so far it hadn't turned out like we had hoped. But number one, God expects us to encourage one another. God expects us to encourage one another. When you look through the Bible, you see repeatedly God showing love, God showing encouragement. Uh, when you look through like the Pauline epistles, you see, you see him ending all of his letters with some form of encouragement, which is interesting because um, Saul or Paul uses his name interchangeably. Uh, he was an outcast. He was a persecutor. He was persecuting other Christians. He was a Pharisee that had set out to shut these Jesus people up, that he was going to do everything he could to shut down that movement because he thought he was doing something great for God until Jesus showed up and said, Saul, Saul, what are you doing? Why are you persecuting me? Uh, anyway, so let's jump into some passages that talk about this. Uh, Again, we're going through this series of connecting people to Christ so that they can live well lives, worshiping, encouraging, learning, and loving. So last week was worship. This is encouraging. Next week is loving because there's time for communion and it fit better. And then it will be learning and how to teach each other and uh, maybe some things that we need to cover when we disciple someone. And uh, I think that's a pretty good series for this time in the summer. But... uh, Saul or Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 13, 11, dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful, grow to maturity, encourage each other, live in harmony and peace, and then the God of love and peace will be with you. So he was before that in that context, he's talking about his authority. He's talking about his testimony and how much he's been through and how much he's suffered. And he's talking about being aware of false teachers. And so instead of, you know, just just hammering them down and saying, you guys are so messed up, you're never going to make it if you don't turn it around. Instead, he tries to give them encouragement, encouragement that says you want joy. If you want to grow to maturity, encourage each other, live in harmony and peace. And then the God of love and peace will be with you. And that's what the church needs. That's what we need as a church. And that's why one of one of our, our the core uh, facts of our mission statement is we want to be an encouraging church. We want to encourage each other and we want to be encouraged. So uh, another passage here, Hebrews 3, 13. Some think that Paul wrote Hebrews. It's not, they're not really sure hundred percent, but it says, be encouraged, be, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And so the Holy Spirit wanted this in God's word for us. And it's important that we realize in in this context here, um, the author had been talking about Moses and the Israelites rebelling against God and how um, they were being led through the wilderness, but they disappointed God with their sin and their unfaithfulness. And then this passage jumps in and says, encourage one another daily so that you're not hardened by sin. And it's so easy to fall into sin. It's easy to 
um, accept sin. So what happens sometimes is that there's something that's against God's word, something sinful, but then you have a friend or family person or uh, you know teacher or whatever that says, no, that's that's like. What are you? It's so archaic. No, that's not sin. No, progress shows us that, that this lifestyle or this way to live or whatever is just fine now. Even though God's word uh, stands against it, God would call it sin. Society calls it, uh, you know, just, just fine. And we get around other people and they pull us in the wrong direction. And then they allow us to go down that path where uh, a godly encourager might come along and say, hey, you know, I know that it seems like this, that's the right way. But uh, let me just tell you that God's word makes it clear that that is not the right way. And some of my experience shows that that's not a healthy way. And uh, if you really think it through, uh, it's a destructive way. And I just want to encourage you to trust God, follow his will and do what's right, even, even if your family, even if your family doesn't like it. So I was telling some of the guys at the Bible study yesterday, so we had the men's Bible study and then we moved it over to Billy Jin. So that was, that was, yeah. Um, so maybe the next time we have the men's Bible study, maybe we'll do that again. I don't know. But um, we need to encourage each other daily because there are so many things that come in life that are discouraging. And we need to encourage each other daily and talk to each other so that we know what's going on in people's lives. Years ago, when I was a youth and family pastor, uh, we were next to a Lutheran college. And uh, we had these students, college age students that were coming. And so uh, this one student says, hey... I just want you to know that uh, it's coming into the Christmas season and my parents are going to come visit. So I won't be at church. You won't see me at church because my parents would flip if they knew I was going to the Baptist church. So that was so helpful for me to know what that person was going through and to encourage, you know, them, you know, to focus on faith, not necessarily denomination. And um, so, yeah, they went to the other, other church while the parents were in town. And um, but daily connection. Um, if you could have a friend, if you don't have that kind of friend, you should pray for a friend like that. Um, I always pray that the students, when they go to school or college or, or whatever, that they would find at least one godly friend that would encourage them. You don't need a lot of friends. Actually, uh, it says in the Bible, it says if you have a lot of friends, you could come to ruin. I mean, it's a lot of work to maintain a lot, a lot of friendships, but just a few, even one uh, encourager in your life would be great. So, um, Saul or, or Paul wasn't necessarily like to. Number two, encourage new believers. We'll, we'll, call, we'll call Saul or Paul a new believer. He knew a lot about the law. He was a righteous Pharisee that knew all of the, the rules of the uh, Old Testament way, but he did not understand the New Testament uh, Christ given, Christ lived out gospel. And we need to encourage new believers in their faith. So we offer these new believers, new testaments that have all sorts of notes and stuff to help people get on track or help you to learn how to share your beliefs. And so you can take those and share those. And, um, but we need to encourage new believers because new believers really don't know anything about faith. They don't know anything about Christ. They don't know what God wants of them. They don't know how to read the Bible. They don't know that it's a library of 66 books in one, not a novel. They don't know what to apply, what not to apply. All of these these things, we need to encourage new believers. If we could, uh, you know, figure out who they are and then encourage them in their faith, to encourage them with certain scripture passages to read, to get together with them and um, help disciple them. But so in Acts chapter nine, we hear about Saul who had become Paul and what I already said that, uh, you know, he was struck by 
blindness when he came to uh, came across Jesus, who said, "Why are you persecuting me?" And so it's pretty much his conversion experience. But in Acts 9, verse 10, it says, In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. You know, if the Lord, if the Lord ever calls out to you, just answer it real quick. Yes, Lord, would be great. So he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And Ananias said, all right, I'm so excited about this. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I can't wait to meet him. So, but no, actually in um, verse 15, uh, Lord, um, hang on one second, we're I should have marked the verse. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias in verse 13, um, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul and um, laid his hands on him and you could read more about that, but what if that new believer is somebody that God is going to use greatly? What if that young child you led to Christ or that student that you invested time in in youth group that got serious about following Jesus or that older person who didn't see a reason to go on and then you showed them how they could move forward in Christ? Um, what if God's going to use them to do something great? What if you're just someone in the process for God to develop somebody else that's going to be a world changer and you are just going to be faithful to go where God calls and to show up to share the message, to pray, whatever, to be an encourager. We need to encourage new believers. We need to look for opportunities. Maybe we even need to grieve missed opportunities. So, I mean, if people from the community want to dump their kids off here on a Wednesday night so that they can go to the grocery store and get some free time, yet they left us with their children so that we could share Jesus with them in a WANA or youth group or whatever, uh, that is a great opportunity for us to take. And I encourage all of you to find some way to plug in, to serve, to invest in the next generation, the next generation of uh, Christ followers. Some of those kids will grow up to be leaders in this church, I hope, or leaders in another church, or maybe Maybe we'll train them up here and send them off. And maybe they'll even start a church you just never know. So number three, we need to encourage the unconnected. We need to encourage the unconnected. And so here we're back to Saul again. And so he's been faithful. He's been proclaiming the gospel. He's been out a bit, but he wants to get together with the other disciples. And he was pretty much disconnected. Acts chapter 9, verse 26 so about Saul or Paul. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him. And now in Damascus, he had preached fearlessly the name of Jesus. So nobody is like answering Paul's letters. They're not answering his calls. They're, not, they're like, no, this dude's a spy. You know, I'm not... I'm not going. You can go. I'm not going. So dude's bad news. Hands off him. And then Barnabas, the encourager, that's what his name literally means. So if I tell you something, if I ever say to you, you are such a Barnabas, that is a compliment. So don't, don't think that I made a new swear word. No. If I say, you're such a Barnabas, 
just know that you're an encourager. So, and I, I love to be encouraged, actually. So, a couple true encouragements after a Sunday gives me enough uh, wind in my sail to get to the next Sunday. So, I literally have this file folder. It's not very organized, but it's of notes that people have sent, that it, or even sometimes are print out emails, of encouragements. And sometimes when I'm discouraged, I go back in the encouragement file. I'm like, oh, I remember that. That was a good day. But Barnabas came alongside, and he was, he was even better than those, well, did you ever have to change schools a lot? I did. We moved a lot. And when I would go to a new school, often the, the school, um, like the principal or whatever, I always had some student that was there and ready to, ready to show you around the school, uh, introduce you to other friends or whatever. And so I probably still do that. It's actually a great way to uh, help kids assimilate into a school. But uh, Barnabas was like that. Barnabas was that encourager. Barnabas encouraged the um, disconnected or the unconnected. So there's been different people in my life where I've just come across them and somehow they've spoken into my life in strange ways. So there was a, um, I wanted to, go, I felt called to ministry when I was in high school and I wanted to go to a Bible college and my step-grandparents said they'd help me to pay, to go to help pay for me to go to Bible college, but it had to be one on their list. And so the ones on their list weren't necessarily the ones I wanted to go to. So I went to Tennessee Temple for their first semester in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where I heard there were 500 guys and 1,500 girls and it was over a thousand miles away from home and it just sounded like a good place to go. So I went there. And there, um, the president, the founder of the school and the president of Highland, or the, the pastor of Highland Park Baptist Church down there was Lee Robertson. And I didn't really know that he would speak into my life later in life. So, um, but a quote about Lee, Lee Robertson says, nothing but encouragement can come to us as we dole upon the faithful dealing of our heavenly father in centuries gone by. Faith in God has not saved people from hardships and trials, but it has enabled them to bear tribulations courageously and to emerge victoriously. And then um, in one of his books, he, he writes about being an encourager. And so this, this guy, this is, this is, he's, he's really old, so this is kind of old. But he says, George Truitt was a tremendously effective pastor for decades in Texas. His heart was broken when he accidentally killed his best friend while they were on a hunting trip. His daughter said that she never heard him laugh after that day. Truitt had a radio program, and each day when it came to a close, he would say, be good to everybody because everybody is having a tough time. Because he knew personally what a heavy burden people could be carrying, he encouraged compassion towards them. Lee Robertson writes, Sometimes we cross paths with people who seem to be brusque and not very easy to like. Yet there is usually a reason for their behavior, and often it is because they are hiding a heavy heart. If we take the time to understand what has happened, we may find that while they have a tough outer exterior, inwardly they are desperately wishing for someone to care about them. And so here's, so that was like in 19, what, 1985, 86 or whatever. So if you roll the clock, you know, calendar forward like 10 or 11 years, I had become a youth pastor um, down in Iowa and things are going pretty good overall, but uh, we had some with issues, didn't have enough money, really weren't getting paid enough money to support our family and it was a financial burden and um, I was thinking about quitting. I was thinking about quitting and going back to a job in marketing and being a volunteer in ministry again. And um, I, I don't know, I didn't really tell anybody this and I don't even know where this came from, this newspaper publication. Uh, 
was put on my desk, and I don't know who put it there. I didn't subscribe to it. It was just there. And on the front of the newspaper, I was trying to find a copy of it. I couldn't find it. But in this, in this religious newspaper um, was an article from Lee Robertson, and in huge letters on the top of it, it said, don't quit. That was, that was what was on the, the headlines. It was like, don't quit. And it was all these missionary stories and pastor stories of missionaries that stuck it out, and they didn't quit, and the fruit that they saw, and what happened. And so I went through that whole thing and prayed about it, and we didn't quit, and we're still here today. But God uses people that you might come across their path and respect them. I mean, I might, in that newspaper publication, it wasn't one I really subscribed to. If it was written by another author, I might not have even thought about it. I might not say, I don't know who this person is. I don't care what they say. Probably not even on my team. But I saw it from this person. And um, I had heard him preach and seen him before. And so God used that. And God uses encouragement. God uses written encouragement. Sometimes God uses the Christian radio, which is why you should stay tuned into the Christian radio station. So... Um, you know, we've got uh, KDNW, we've got Psalm FM and some other ones. Uh, the Psalm FM, Psalm FM one has more teaching programs on it than the uh, KDNW one from Duluth. But those are some that you can listen to around here. And if you make a commitment to listen to Christian stuff, God can use that to encourage you through music, through the word, um, through teaching programs and help you to become a better Christian. But that was an encouragement in that time of my life. And I didn't quit. And I, um, God moved and worked and um, God is still moving and working. And sometimes there's people that we know that just want to give up. They want to give up on, you know, church. They want to give up on the Christian life. They want to give up on their marriage. They want to give up on their family. They want to give up on, you know, being a, being a responsible worker. And we need to encourage those people. So we need to be an encourager of one another at church to encourage each other at church. And that's what our church needs to be about, is encouraging each other, encouraging new people, encouraging the people that have been around for a long time. Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching, the day of Jesus returning. So we spurring, if uh, you spur a horse, the horse doesn't go, oh, thank you, that tickles, you know, it hurts. It jolts them. And, uh, moves them into action. And sometimes in love, we need to kindly and sometimes privately do that to each other. What are we spurring them on towards? Toward love and good deeds. And we are supposed to keep getting together, keep meeting together, keep being part of the body. Now I know that sometimes churches have so many meetings that it's hard for family and everything. So we need to make sure that the meetings and the gatherings that we have are worth people's time. So we don't take up too much of their time. But on the other hand, wouldn't it be great if we could come to the point where we had enough people that not only could we have kids stuff and youth group on Wednesday night, but we could have like a full-blown family night where we had something for everybody that showed up. Um, if we could, well, we had the kids offer like parent classes and get the parents to stay for that. I, I did that in another church where we had, um, we had a kids program at the elementary school and then I offered some parenting classes and a couple of parents came to it for a bit. But then they're like, you know what? I really like this time for myself. If you could take care of my kids for, you know, 60, 90 minutes or whatever, I'm just going to go out in the parking lot and read my book, or I'm going to go to the grocery store. Here's, here's my kid. I'll, I'll be back and get to pick them up. So 
but to be able to offer a family night, to be able to make sure that if we're putting something on the calendar, that it is worthwhile and um, encouraging. Now, on the other hand, uh, when you get together in small groups or life groups or uh, one church had play groups, that's what they did over the summer. They're like, we're not having official groups. We're just having play groups. We're just going to get together and we're going to, our play group is golfing or our play group is gardening or and they just get together and do stuff and then encourage each other, um, talk to each other, pray for each other. Uh, maybe someone would share a scripture or two. Um, those are worthwhile too, but you just need to know um, that people's time is important and you need to be careful to um, let people know what you're inviting them to, how long it could take and why, why they should come. And that would be a good thing, but to encourage each other, um, to spur one another on toward love and good deeds and to keep meeting together for worship. Um, sometimes you come to church and you get something out of the message, which was given to you. And I know this from seeing leftover sermon notes. Uh, I like to find them and see what people write. Sometimes it's grocery lists. Sometimes they got the blanks all wrong. But sometimes people write down stuff and I'm like, wow, I don't think I even said that. But God spoke to them today while they were sitting there and wrote down something that was uh, life-changing. And then I'm like, I wish I knew who I could give this back to. Somebody forgot their notes. Hopefully they'll remember what they wrote. But um, Romans 15, 5, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude and mind of each, toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. And I pray for unity all the time. I pray that we would be on the same page, that we would get along, that we wouldn't split. I read an article recently about pastors quitting. There's a pastor shortage right now, and there's a bunch of pastors that are quitting. And I'm not sure if it was a Barna thing or, you know, who did the survey or whatever. But um, what I read was one of the primary reasons that pastors are walking away is because their churches are splitting apart with like politics with not just, you know, inside church politics, but outside politics. Everybody's turning against each other. Then you have the maskers against the anti-maskers and the, the, the vaxxers against the anti-vaxxers and all these people are just tearing each other apart and the pastor's in the middle and they're just walking away. And we need to have endurance. We need to know that God has called us to this. We need to know that Christ um, was falsely accused, that Christ was persecuted, that Christ was tempted yet without sin, and that we need to be unified, that we need to love each other, that we need to overlook sometimes things that we don't particularly agree uh, with certain people so that together we can glorify Jesus Christ. So, and then um, when it comes to uh, preaching the word, Paul told Timothy to preach the word, to be prepared in season and out of season, to correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction, which is a great reminder that Lord doesn't want us to beat or kick the sheep. That yes, you um, can correct bad doctrine, you can correct false teaching, but the whole thing that we're supposed to do is encourage them to get on the right path, encourage them to choose the right way, encourage to ask forgiveness for you know sins of the past and to choose the right path in the future, and to preach, to for proclaim. God's word in such a way that it encourages people and helps them to enjoy that life change. And again, in uh, Titus, uh, to those crazy Cretans, um, 
Paul writes to Titus, he must about leaders, he must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught, then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. You know, one of the differences um, between an elder and a deacon is uh, the ability to teach, for one. And Scripture makes it clear that um, for someone to be an elder in a church, that they're supposed to desire it. So it hasn't been my practice in the past to run around and just tap nice people on the shoulder and say, hey, how would you like to be an elder? Um, but instead, to look for people that God is working in their life. They've had an experience teaching. Um, their teaching is helpful to others. They're living the, the Christian life. They fit the requirements when it comes to their personal life and marriage and leadership and everything, and that they have the desire to do it. God has put it on their heart and they have the desire to do it. They're willing to put in the time. They're willing to make uh, life changes. They're willing to step up to the plate, to be used as an overseer of God's church, as an elder. And if God as, as a man, has been talking to you about that, and that's a desire on your heart. I would like you to talk to me because we do need more leadership in our church. But a strong belief, uh, I'll be able to encourage each other with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it. So encouraging is so huge, and that's why we need to be an encouraging church. And again, in Titus 2.15, you must teach these things. Yeah. I hit the same button. Uh, number five, encouraged by, the Holy, encouraged by the Holy Spirit, the church grows. Encouraged by the Holy Spirit, the church grows. Who grows the church? Not me, not my personality, not, uh, you know, not the fact that we have clean windows now. Though there was a church that did landscaping evangelism on the corner of their block in Hopkins. Uh, it was a church like ours. And so what they did is they uh, had people donate and they did a lot of great landscaping and made it look awesome. And it actually brought people in. People were more interested in coming to their church because of the way, it the curb appeal that it had. And I want you to know that this church, in my opinion, is turned backwards. So um, all the people, or almost all the people that are looking at this church when they go by are out there on that highway. And all they see is the back of this church. And I don't know if they think it's a warehouse or what they think it is. So when you come to the front, it's got more curb appeal. So somehow we need to figure out what we can do to make it look a little better back there. But nonetheless, um, that's not going to necessarily grow the church. The Holy Spirit grows the church. And you know how the church grows through the Holy Spirit? Is that the people in the church get serious about serving the Lord and uh, working for the Lord and being ready to minister. So once they've got their issues taken care of and they're ready to welcome new people in, then God starts to spend, send those new people so um, we need to make sure that we're taking care of the people that we have, and then God can send us more people. Um, our goal isn't just to get people in the door to increase our numbers so we can, you know, high five each other and say, yeah, we filled the sanctuary twice today. But to have those people growing, to have those people learning, to get those people serving, to get those people plugged in so that they can have a meaningful part of their spiritual life realized, because it's a great adventure to serve the Lord. So in Acts 9.31, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. You know, one of the biggest problems the church had that this passage is talking about was Saul, the persecutor, was uh, once he came to Jesus and turned things around, the church enjoyed a time of peace. The church won't always enjoy a time of peace. We're currently, uh, in the past especially, we had a time when uh, the church was valued as time continues on. Uh, more and more people are turning against the church. 
But we should do everything we can to be productive, to be effective, while um, the church still has the freedom to do that. Someday we might be forced underground or have to, um, you know, uh, be like the Christians in China as we're, you know, facing persecution and everything. But we should, we should grow in our faith. We should um, grow in the Word of God. We should gain a greater knowledge of the Holy Spirit's presence and power in our life and gain more boldness in Christ. And number six, we need to encourage through evangelism. And I really would make that e-evangelism, you know, worshiping, encouraging, worshiping and evangelism. But the people we're trying to reach, they don't want to be evangelized. They think that's somebody taking a bullhorn and yelling at them or, you know, what is evangelism, you know? So, but the best form of, of evangelism, um, or the best form of encouragement is evangelism. And, um, Zacchaeus, the wee little man who uh, was uh, confronted by Jesus, who wanted to see Jesus, who climbed up in a tree to see Jesus. Um, when Jesus came to his house, uh, Zacchaeus is like, oh, anybody I've cheated, I'm going to give them their, their money back and even more. And uh, he wanted to change his life. It wasn't a workspace salvation, but because he believed, he wanted to make things right. And out of that conversation, Jesus says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Like you, Zacchaeus, this is what I'm here for. This is what I'm here for, this life change, this conversion experience saving the lost. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and to the Gentile. Could you say that? Could you say that you're not ashamed of the gospel? Um, there's been times that I've been ashamed of the gospel. There's been times where um, in my, young, in my young life of faith, where I would um, be embarrassed to uh, publicly, loudly, in a public place, proclaim the gospel. Now, as time has gone on, I am more bold in my faith. A lot of that came by experience. But as we know, we're told to make disciples in Matthew 28, 19. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to obey everything. And in Romans 10, 9, it says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. It's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. There's a um, bunch of religious people now saying, oh, the sinner's prayer doesn't, doesn't save anybody. Uh, you, you need to believe. But I think that one of the best things you can do is to indicate your faith in Christ by praying. Um, praying something like, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I realize you died on the cross for my sin and rose again. Um, please forgive me of my sin and come into my life and save me. I want to follow you. I want to be assured of heaven. I want to live life the way that you created me to. Uh, in Jesus' name. Amen, or, or something like the prayer, the words of the prayer don't save you. Actually, in the front of this New Believers Bible, it uh, you know, has, a, has a great prayer. It's, not, it's the indication of your desire to follow Christ, um, confessing that Jesus is Lord. So everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14, how then can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Who could that be? That could be you as an encourager preaching. So I'll skip that verse. And the verse number seven, encourage through giving. Encourage through giving. Luke 6.38 says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will be determined, be determined by the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. So we are encouraged 
to give. We are encouraged to give in, in 2 Corinthians 9, 12. Also, I'll leave that on the screen. But um, different ways that we give can encourage. Uh, one, when you give, you can keep this church going. Uh, that's an encouragement. Uh, when you give towards specific things, you can help that program keep going. Uh, when you give towards the backpack program, or maybe you want to give just towards the Bibles in the backpack program, because I think we ordered 40 um, hands-on kids Bibles and 24 uh, teen life application Bibles to be available for them to put in their backpacks. Maybe you want to give towards that. But um, there was a time, the worship team can come forward if they want. But there was a time when I was preparing for ministry. I was a volunteer a youth pastor in my church, but there was a seminar that I could go to, the Sun Life Seminar about youth ministry. And I was trying to figure out which one I should go to and how I could afford it. One of my coworkers heard about it and he came up to me and he said, hey, um, I overheard what you were saying about trying to figure out if you're going to go to the seminar or not and if you could afford it, if you'd have the money. And we were supporting some missionaries who have come back so we don't have to send them support anymore. So we have this extra money and we feel led to give you this money so that you could go to this advanced seminar that you wanted to go to. And so that helped me make the decision as to which one that I would go to. And then when it was time for me to get hired to be a real paid full-time youth pastor, I had the training that I needed to fit into the system that the church had. So God used their encouragement to help me to go down the right path to equip me for what he had for me next. Because somebody said, hey, we hear what you're saying and we've got some extra money and we want to encourage you with that. So you can encourage people with prayer too, but we uh, encourage people by giving and we can... Um, be encouraged by the results of our giving. It's a great thing. But Lord Jesus, I don't know how the time goes by so fast. So many things we could say about encouragement, but Lord, you encourage us and we want to encourage others. Help us to be an encouraging church. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be serious about our faith and serious about connecting with others and that there would be um, a great, a great encouraging uh, life change and a great encouraging wave of um, just energy and uh, service and salvations and all these things in this church. We ask us all in Jesus' name. Amen.